Let's pray and we'll get started, okay? Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we have to be here. We are so grateful, Father, for, the, for your word, for the power of your word. We pray your blessings upon us as we study it. We pray your blessings on each one of us as we strive to implement it in our lives. Help us to find uh, find those ways that we can do that. And, uh, and so that we can be more uh, uh, more what you need us and want us to be, Father. Uh, we, we thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Father, we pray you bless each one of us here that has the issues that we have. Every one of us has things going on. But today, right now, we're going to come together and we're going to and we're going to worship, and we're going to and we're going to strive to let our worship go up to you as a sweet aroma. We pray that that happens, Father. We pray that you'll be pleased with us this morning as we worship and as we study and as we strive, Father, to take a, a moment out of this week uh, to come together uh, together as a family. Father, thank you for the opportunity. Bless us as we move forward. Bless us as we go into this community and, and beyond and the things we're doing. Father, we pray that your that your hand would be on us and that we would be on the on, that our hands would be on those people around uh, that are looking for you and help us to to help them to find you. Father, thank you for the opportunities. Thank you for your son. Uh, Father, we thank you for for what he means to us and what he made possible for us. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Okay, we're going to be in chapter three. I want to I want to go back and just tell you a couple of things. All right, to remind you, remember that. Peter is writing to the to Christian brother, brethren in about the time of Nero. Okay, Nero is there's a tremendous persecution going on for the church under Nero. Uh, if you go back and look at history, you'll see some of that. But but so some of it when you, when you look at it, it really doesn't look like it fits to us because he's writing to a specific group of people. He's writing to people in that day and time, and so. For us, we've got to find, find, okay, how can I connect this to my own life? How can I adapt this to my What am he saying here that may be different for them because he's writing to a specific group? It would be like if I, if I wrote to one of you, you know, and I wrote some generic stuff, it may apply to you, but somebody else that read, read it would have to try to figure it out. And that's what we're trying to do here, trying to figure out, say, what is he trying to tell me? What is it that I need to know? Well, how am I going to apply this to my life when he talks about some of the things he's talking about that we're going to look at this morning? Uh, so remember that the people he's writing to are in a completely different situation than you are. Completely different. They are they are fighting for their lives. Okay, they are they they may make a decision and it costs them their whole life. It may cost them their family's life. We don't have that dynamic here. One day maybe, but not right now. Right now, now some of the people that may be watching in other places, they may have that dynamic. So it's, it's completely per applicable to them, the way it's written. But for us, we're going to look at it and say, okay, what is he trying to say, and what, how do I apply this to my life? So as we look at this, let's look at it. And, I, and I, there's going to be something that's going to come up in verse 20. I'm not going to get in the, I'm not going to get in the middle of this thing, okay? We're not going to lose the sight, the, 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 what is this text is trying to tell us, okay? I'm not going to, I'm not going to deal with whether Jesus went to hell or not. We're not going to deal with all that. You know, you can have your own opinion about what happened there and what, whether he did or not. And we'll get there. I don't know if we'll get there today, but we're going to get there at least by next week. We'll get there. And uh, and I've had people want to talk to me and they want, they want to get in a confrontation. I don't even get in a confrontation with you over that verse. You know, I don't care what Jesus did in the three days that he was dead. I don't care. Okay? I care what did he do that day and what did he do a third day later. What happened? And why we're here is what happened in those three-day span, what happened to me. That's why I'm telling you this this morning. Make it applicable to yourself. 
not to what's going on around us. Let's look at, we're going to look at verses 13 through probably about 16 or so. Look at what he says. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. For it is better if it's God's will for suffering, for doing good, than for doing evil. Okay? Now, he's talking to a people who their very words that they speak may, may, be, a, may be a detriment to their life. You understand that? They may suffer at, greatly. Uh, uh, when he said, when he said here, that uh, do not fear their threats, do not be frightened. You know, I would venture to say that most of us have never been threatened over what we believe, have we? You ever been threatened over what you believe? If you believe this and you say it, I'm going to kill you. Probably not, right? These people, if they, they made a comment, they could die for what they believed in. And he said, you still have to do good no matter what. Now, that doesn't take away the fact that we deal with this kind of stuff every day. You go to work. Okay? You go you go in your family. You just walk into the store and you can have a detrimental problem, something that springs up with because of, of what you stand for. You know, I had somebody came up to me the other day and talking about, you know, a problem at work and it was very difficult at work and the, the, the person in, involved in their life was making it very difficult for them. So that person was struggling exactly with what this is saying. They weren't going to lose their life. But it was very detrimental to them, very hard for them to grab, wrap their mind around because it was so much of a negative to their own personality and what they stood for. And so when you look at this, there's some things he tells us that we need to do. Okay? First off, he said, he says, strive always to be good. Strive always to do the right thing. It's not going to always be easy. Not may not always be easy in on your job. It may not always be easy in your family to do the right thing. To, to say, I'm going to do good. I'm going to be good. People will, you'll make people uncomfortable. You live this life, people are going to be uncomfortable around you. That's just a fact. Now, they're not going to be uncomfortable. Now, in some places, in Mexico, you know, in, in some places overseas, in Africa, different places, you can, you can be in a very bad position for living a life like this. And God says, do it anyway. Do it anyway. Live your life in a way that, that, you know, when people speak maliciously, they'll be ashamed of their slander. We'll get to that in a minute. But look at what he said in here. He said, who is going to harm you if you're eager to do good? Well, we know in some places, people will, will harm you just because you're good. And he said, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you're blessed. How can you be blessed for doing what's right in the face of, of turmoil and hardship? You know, he says, if you suffer for what is right, you are blessed. How are you blessed if you suffer for doing right? Tell me how you how you how you feel like you could be blessed even though you're doing suffering for doing what's right. You're acting like Christ. Acting like Christ. Okay? Anybody else? What do you what do you think? Acting like Christ. What do you think? How how can you be blessed? You know, I mean I mean let's say you're you're suffering not for with your life, but you're suffering in a family dynamic. Okay? Family doesn't understand what you're doing. Family doesn't understand why you've chosen to go the path you're going. But family doesn't understand why you have are making some of the decisions. You know, why won't you go to the lake with us? Why won't you go? Well, I have to go to church. 
What do you mean you have to go to church? You don't have to go to church. Just go, just go to the lake with them. And the whole family turns on you because you won't do the things that they want to do and you make them uncomfortable. And he said, how are you blessed in that instance? Okay. So, so Keith is saying, you know, you can be blessed because you have a clean conscience. You feel good about yourself. I've done the right thing. Yeah. How else can you be blessed? How do you think you can be blessed by by doing the right thing in the face of suffering, in the face of of people being negative to you? Maybe not your life. Your life's not at stake, not here. But if your if your family has turned on you because you won't do what they want to do, you'd be setting an example. That that can be a real blessing in a person's life. Okay, you know that ever happened to you where you've had to make a stand, take a stand against everything that was that was in your life before, and you had to take a stand against it. Did that ever happened to you? You know, I mean, anybody want to anybody want to share with us? Or are you going to make me do it? Well, the thing about if you follow Christ and you do your best effort to, to follow the commandments and things, you find a certain comfort that you can't get anything. Okay, so there's a blessing in finding that comfort. Yes. Finding the comfort that you're doing what God wants you to do. I think it's the same thing that everybody here, you know, the, the blessing of, of you know, following Christ and knowing that I'm, that I'm imitating Him. Yeah, Mark. We've kind of, a few people have touched on it, but the blessing can come from how you affect other people. You make a decision, somebody else looking at it and saying, I need to be more like that. Mm -hmm. Or that gives me great courage because I know that I'm not struggling and fighting this fight alone. Mm -hmm. I, uh, <clears throat> I had that happen in, in, in our lives. You know, I said, I cannot no longer live like this. I won't do like this anymore. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do the things that we were doing. And I went to the person that I was the closest to. And, uh, and I told him, I said, I said, I still want to be your friend. I can't do this no more. I'm done. I said, this is killing me. It's killing my family. And I said, it's going to kill me spiritually. And I, and I said, it's already killed me spiritually. And I said, I want a relationship with God. And, uh, and, and I got to, uh, I don't know if it was me. I don't remember. It's like, Paul, I don't remember who I baptized half, the, half of me anymore. But, uh, but he was baptized into Christ. Now, he's not faithful today. But be, I believe because of what we did, he was, he, he was baptized into Christ. So it made it. It was a real blessing for me, and I still talk to him. I still communicate with him. We still have have dialogue, and it uh, and I, and I still hold out hope because I just told him the other day. I said, "When are you going to come back to God? At what point?" And so now he knows what I'm going to tell him. He knows when we talk. If he calls me, he knows what I'm going to say to him. I want him right with God, and he knows that. And he says, "Dan," he said, "I know." He said, "I'm going to come back at some point. I really am. I promise." I said, "Just don't wait too long." So way too long. So so when you look at this, it's a true blessing to, to doing the right thing, and people will respond. Now, if nobody responded, it's still the right thing to do because my boys are all faithful today, because I believe because we made those decisions. And it was and it was contrary to what everybody in my life, my friends, my family, everybody said, ha ha, you know, why don't you want to do this? Well, I can't do this anymore. I can't do it anymore. And now we have to do this. So you know, sometimes the blessing comes a long time later. You don't necessarily see the blessing at that time. Yeah, sometimes you have to wait, you know, and see, you know, as your children start to mature and they start to get more faithful and you say, ah, here we go. Now, now I see what, what's going on here, you know. So anyway, let's move on. Look at what he says in verse 15. And I've got this, I've had this verse in every Bible that I've ever had. I've had this verse 
highlighted, circled, arrows pointing to it, because for me, early on, it was the most important verse I, I had read up to that point. Listen to what he said. In face of all of that, and I, remember, I was going through change of lifestyle, change of family dynamic, change in my own family, all those things at one time were happening in my life. And so I look at here and he says, but in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Now I'm looking at this, I'm saying, okay, I'm a baby Christian. I don't know what does this mean? What does it mean for me to set apart Christ as Lord? I knew what I had done. I knew what I was doing. I knew where I, that, that I was walking a different path and I was not no longer go that way. I was going this way. I understood that. But what does it mean for me to set apart Christ as Lord? What does that mean? What do you think that means for you? To set apart Christ as Lord. You what do you honor think? Him. You honor Him. Okay. Don't worship anything else. That's it. Okay. Anybody else? What? Yep. Let your actions speak louder than your words. Let my actions speak louder than my words. Okay. Anybody? You know what? Anybody else? Come on. There's a mindset. Okay. Where wherever you're coming to some kind of decision on something, that Christ has to be part okay. of that. Okay. That I have to think about, well, how does this one affect my walk with Christ? Okay. I, th I think you're absolutely right. I think I think that's, it, he said, that word Lord there is not the Lord. It says, set apart Christ as Lord. Okay? The Old Testament is full of this, about, about that he's going to be Lord. It talks about it. We've already looked at some of it in chapter 2. I want you to turn to Isaiah chapter 8. Okay? Turn to Isaiah chapter 8. <clears throat> Now listen to this very carefully and see if it doesn't connect to something we've already studied in chapter 2. Alright, listen to what he said. Verse 13, chapter 8 and verse 13. Isaiah chapter 8 and verse 13. Okay? The Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. He is the one you are to dread. He will be a holy place for both Israel and Judah. He will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Who's he talking about? Who's he talking about? Huh? Who's he talking about? All right, turn back to chapter, Ephesians chapter, I mean, 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. Look at verse uh, 7. Now to you who believe, the stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected had become the cornerstone and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. Who's he talking about in this text? Jesus. He's talking about Jesus. So when you look at, at chapter 3, and he said, and set him, set, and he said, but in your hearts set apart Christ as Lord. Who is he? Who is he? Take away the man. Who is he? He is God. Set apart Christ in your life. He is God. No longer the drugs. It's no longer the friends. It's no longer the job. It's no longer the family. Because all those things become a God to us. Who's the God now? The Lord. And I'm going to set him apart as Lord in my life. He's going to be the Lord of my life. He is going to be God in my life. Nobody else. Nothing else. So what happens to the rest of it? What happens to the rest of it? Let's go away. Has to leave it. Has to, right? If you set apart Christ as Lord, then what happens to the other lords in your life? You see? See how this works? Now what i got to do, if I'm going to set him apart as Lord, 
what if what about the what about the things that I've been worshiping on a regular basis? What do I have to do with that now? They can't be Lord anymore. So who makes the decisions now in my life? Who's going to make the decisions now? Is that God going to make the decision? Or this God going to make the decision? Which one? And if I set him apart as Lord, then which one is going to start making the decision? Is that always going to be popular? Absolutely not. You know why not? Because that's not where they are. It's not where they are. You know what they've got set up as Lord? Everything we just talked about. The job, the family, the, uh, the money, the bank account, the drugs, what alcohol, whatever it is, they've got it set up as Lord in their life. And now God is saying, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Peter's telling them, no, 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 no. You want to know how to, how to work this out in this dynamic? You set apart Christ as Lord. He is Lord in your life. I've seen families where the children were the gods in their life. I've seen it. And I've seen what happens. When the children take over, when the children take over and become, become the gods of their life, you know what happens? What, ha what happens? It turns, I've seen it when a man has allowed the woman to become the god of that family. And you know what happens? Chaos. Every single time. Every time. Because it's not in accordance with what this said. Because the right God's not in charge. Right God's not been set up as, as Lord in, that, in their lives. When God becomes the Lord of a family's life, what happens to the family? They start, they start patterning their lives after this. So they can find out more about who he is and what he says and what is he telling me to do. You know, I'm not, I'm not telling you this is going to be easy. This is hard. Anything worth having is hard. He said, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. The, the, the assumption here is that you have hope. Right? Right? Isn't that the assumption? That you have hope. What does that mean? To have hope. I have a confident expectation of things to come. Right? What, what does that mean for you? That you have hope. You know, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 says, and we've been given a living hope. No longer just a dead hope, it's a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of the Son. Okay? So if I have a living hope, what does that mean in my life? What is, what is that hope going to look like in my life? Vincent? The things around you that are happening, you know, they're down here. Okay. You're above it. You know, you've got your place reserved in heaven. And God's with you always. So it's just... Okay. You have two people that... Go ahead, Bobby. It's like we talked about Friday night. It's the promise. Yeah. It is a promise. You know, we talked about promises that God has made to us. Things that, that he's told us that he would do. And, uh, you know, we didn't get through many of them, but we got through a couple. But, you know, it's... Uh, it's uh, you know, you have, two, you have two people. One of them hopes in things in the world. Okay? He hopes in his health. He hopes in his family. Hopes in his job. Hopes in his money. Has his all his hope, all his expectations are in, based on that. And then you have somebody over here on this side whose hope is in God completely. How are they different? How are they different? God can't fail. God can't fail. So what's what's the that means the stuff you got your hope in can fail, right? So if God can't fail, how does that how does this guy differ? He's completely he's completely at peace, at ease, because he knows that who he's got his hope in. It's not going to fail. You know? It's not living in fear. Not living in fear. And he tells them that in that first round. He says, do not be frightened. Don't be afraid. If you've got your hope in God, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid of what's going to, of what, of what's coming. Things are coming. 
in everybody's life, things are coming. Don't be afraid. But he said, he says, you have to have, you're supposed to have hope. How, how are you going to be different? He says, I'm going to look different. Not physically. I'm going to look different in the way I live my life. I'm going to act different. I'm going to, I'm going to, there are going to be things that are important in my life are going to be different than the people in the world. You know, money's not as important to me as it is to, to most people. It's not important to us as it is. You know, we, we got money, but, you know, it's not important to us as it, as it is to, to some people. You know, my, uh, you know my, my situation in life is way more important now because of the presence of God in it than anything I ever did before. And that comes across. You know, Rosie's watching us, all right? You know how Rosie found us? You know how she found us? To that guy right there. That guy right there. Tim Green. Show, go like this. Rosie can see you. There he is right there. Tim Green is the one who first started talking to her. And lo and behold, what happens? I come to Walmart, and I'm in the same line. And there's Tim, and Rosie's behind us, and we're both talking to her at the same time. She didn't have to stand a chance. She didn't stand a chance. No, the point is, is, is it affected her? Now it's affected her family. It's affected her grandchildren. It's affected just by the being you know, around people who have a different set of morals, a different set of hope, different set of values than, than what she's been used to before. It makes a difference in people's lives. They look at it different. All right, they look at you different. If you have hope, if you have no hope and you come in to... Got a pouty you know, smiley face all squinched up like a porky pork pig like that. You know, nobody 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 wants to talk to you. Nobody wants to talk to you. Because you're mad at the world all the time. What for? What do you got to be mad about? You're part of the greatest institution in the world. You got you're part of an institution that's never gonna die. It's never gonna go away. It is eternal. What do you have to be mad about? We are though, aren't we? I'm mad at this person, I'm mad at that, I'm mad at, I don't like this, I don't like that. Oh my gosh, come on guys. Come on, lighten up. We have hope. We have hope in something better. Don't you have hope in something better? Man. Don't you? You have hope in something better? If this is all there is, this stinks. <laughs> if this is all there is, this stinks. You know, I I just, you know, it. I, I remember something Betty Ruth used to say. Betty McLaurin, Roy's wife. She said, Getting old is not for sissies. Let me tell you something. She was right. I'm learning that now. These are, not golden, golden. These are not golden years. No, they are not. Huh? No. I'm on my way. You're on your way. I'm going to take that as an insult. I mean, that. Because I love Sid to death. And I know he loves me too. Yeah. But, you know, it, you know, when I get out of bed now, and I can remember 35. Yeah, I can too. And 35 seems like a way long it distant was. memory. You know, it's yeah. 35 doesn't seem like it even exists for me anymore, nothing and it hurt. doesn't. Nothing but, hurt. But not oh, nothing hurt back then. No. Get up, nothing hurt, man. You know, my feet hit the floor. Pow up! I, now I gotta, I gotta will myself to stand up. <laughs> Right? Y'all are all laughing. Y'all uh, all know exactly what I'm saying. You know? If that's why I said it, if if we hope in this, man, this is disappointing. Right, right Julie, Julie's got had some issues with her family lately. And it's been a struggle. You know? You know, I've, I've had it with my wife. It's been a struggle. I know what, it, what it's, that stuff that goes on. And as I'm saying, man, if this is all there is, man, thanks. Take me away, man. 
I want, I'm, I'm done. You know, this has not been any fun at all. But I know that's not, this is not what it is all about. This is not. It's what's coming next. And if I had that hope, look at what he says here. He said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. What is it? What is the, the assumption is I have hope. But then what is he, what's the command? Always be prepared. Always be prepared. You know, if you don't know why you're happy, then you're probably not really that happy. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know, if you if you have if you have a different personality, not a different, if you have a different focus and vision on life than the people around you, you better know what. Don't you think? Don't you think you need to be able to have, have they ever asked you? Anybody ever asked you? What is wrong with you? Well, you have to show the hope. If you don't show the hope, nobody's going to ask. That's, you're just that, like them. That's the assumption. You're going to have hope. It's going to show it. It's going to it's going to be obvious. You know that there's something different. I know what Rosie told. There's something different. Something different. I don't know what it is, but something different. She didn't say I want to know what that is. She didn't say that, but she said it's something different. From everything that I've seen, it's something different. And I don't know what that is. And it seems attractive to me. What she said. You know, not in those words, but I know by what she wanted, you know, and she I want to go to church. I want to, you know, win Bible study. And now she's watching. Now she's watching us online this morning. She taught, I'm assuming she is because she told me last night she was going to be. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's watching right now. You know, and, and you have to be ready to give an answer. It doesn't mean that you're going to sit across the table and be able to share with them the gospel and open the book. But you better know why you feel this way. Don't you think? What happens if you're in a hospital with, with some partner and somebody asks you? What are you going to tell them? Oh, I don't know. I go to church all the time. Is that what you're going to tell them? Or are you going to give them something with substance? Jesus is the Lord of my life. Jesus is the one I've set apart as the Lord of my life, and I've gotten rid of the other gods in my life. And now I'm happy. And I can be happy in every circumstance because I know. And you may know only one or two verses. Only one or two you may know. You know, I know that God's working it out for good because I love him. You don't even have to know where, it's, where it says that. If they say, well, does, does God say that? Yeah, I don't know where it is, but I'll find it for you, and I'll bring it back to you. And gives you another opportunity with them. Always give a, be ready to give an answer. It amazes me is how little scripture most of us know. And so how little we, uh, we really comprehend really what's going on in our lives. Oh, it comes out on Sunday. Yeah, everything's good on Sunday. We're singing Oh How I Love Jesus and you know, you know, all those all those wonderful songs we're singing all them songs. What about Thursday? When life just wrapped you in a mouth. I got a call from someone from here yesterday. Said Dan, our car just broke down. And it's done. I told him six months ago that's what was gonna happen, and it did. You know, every time they take two steps forward, take three steps back. You know? And sometimes Sunday, you know, around here, it's the only chance. You know, what do you do then? How do you keep saying, staying focused on the Lord of your life then when everything has gone south in your life and you think, can anything else go bad? Yep, sure can. Sure can. So, you know, so always be prepared. So what are you doing to be prepared? What are you doing? Tell me what you're doing to be prepared. Give an answer. Now, if nobody's ever asking you, nobody's ever going to ask you, then you have to worry about it.
they're probably not going to ask you next week either. They're not asking you. If they're not, if they're not seeing hope in you, they're not seeing a difference in you, then no, you don't have to really worry about this verse. Because they're not going to see it. If they're not seeing it now, they're not going to see it then either. You know, just pretty simple. Don't you think? They're not going to see it. They're not going to see it. If, if you're not willing to share it and show it, they're not going to see it. So they're not going to guess. They're not going to ask you, where were you Sunday morning? I tried to get a hold of you. Oh, I was, I was, I was out. I've seen people that were too, too embarrassed to even tell them where they were because they were living a life like this and then trying to play the game on Sunday and now it was not working, okay? Or they were living like the, like a sinful, sinful lifestyle during the week and trying to trying to put it trying to put it back here on Sunday. It's not what that's not how this works. If you're gonna set apart Christ as Lord, He's gonna become the Lord of your life. Okay? You're gonna have hope. And that hope is gonna be evident to people around you. They're gonna know it. You're not gonna be angry all the time, you're not gonna be hurt all the time. You're not going to be. You're not going to be in a in a place where you're looking around saying, "Oh man, always depressed all the time." Not going to be there. There's not going to be room for that in our lives. There's not even room for that. God is in control, right? I don't have to like. I don't have to like the steps He's taking. You know, I watched the the UT football yesterday. I did watch it yesterday because they were doing pretty good. You know, there were some things that happened I didn't really like. But you know what? I'm not a coach. I don't have any, I have no skin in the game, none. I have no, you know, I'm not, if I can scream at the TV, he ain't going to hear me. And you know what, if you heard me, he ain't going to do nothing anyway. I got no, I got no clout there. And when God starts calling the shots, guess what? Got no clout there either. All I've got, the opportunity to do is be obedient to him and do what he tells me to do. That's it. I don't, I don't call the shots. He does. And I don't have to like the shots he's calling. I don't have to, I don't have to agree with him. You know I mean, you know, when you when you go into a situation like you're in or like we've been or a different club where you've been, you know, hey, I didn't like it. Hey, I didn't like it for you. But you know what? Not my call. Best thing to do is do exactly what y'all did. Stay faithful to God. Stay committed to Him. And it's all going to work out the way it's supposed to work out. I, I, did tell it, I did tell a doctor, I think. I don't remember. There was so much going on. I think I told a doctor. I said, I said I'm thankful that you saved my wife's life. But if she had died, it had been okay. Because we know where we're going. And we have hope. And I meant it. I meant it. Would it have been sad? Sure. It would have been hard. But you know what? With you guys, I, we could have dealt with it. You know? So you look at life from a different perspective, and they don't see that. And they want that. They want that. They want it. And they, you may be the only answer they have. So you have to look at yourself and say, okay, what's the answer I'm going to give them? Well, that was an answer for me to that person, to that nurse. I said, you know, this is where we are. You know, and it and our family made an impact in her life. I don't know how how far reaching, but she was, but she made some comments to me. So, you know, you might you might be in a terrible situation, just awful, and everything's going to hinge on how you handle it. Yeah, it may hinge on how you handle it and what you do. Yes, ma'am. Can I read part of it? I won't read the whole thing. Go ahead. Part Go ahead. of it. So Go ahead. What is, what is this? This is a, this is something that's quoted from Mother Teresa. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead and read. But she was so on target, it's unbelievable. Okay, go ahead. People are often unreasonable, irrational, and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you're kind, people may accuse you of selfish, ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you're successful, you'll win some unfaithful friends and some genuine enemies. 
succeed anyway. If you're honest and sincere, people may deceive you. Be honest and sincere anyway. What you spend years creating, others could destroy overnight. Create anyway. If you find serenity and happiness, some may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today will often be forgotten. Do good anyway. Give the best you have and it will never be enough. Give your best anyway. In the final analysis, it is between you and God. It was never between you and him. You know, something that kind of goes along. If you remember a couple of weeks ago where Cole said, it can never be It's always been about the sin. Remember that? Because if it becomes for you about the people, you're not going to ever be able to deal with the sin in your life. If it's always about the sin, then, then the people will be easier to deal with because you know that they're no different than you are. You know, and that's kind of what that's saying. You know, it's, it's, it's never been about the people. It's always been about the sin. You know, and here, you know, we have an opportunity to, to, to walk and talk and exist in a sinful world with God as our Lord, with Jesus Christ, the Lord of my life. And here he said, and he said, and always be prepared to give an answer to the hope that you have. And then he said, but do this with gentleness and respect. You don't want to beat him with a book. We tried that, guys. Guess what happened? Guess what happened? Alright, what happened when we started beating him with the book? Did it work? It didn't work, did it? Did it. We spent a whole generation of people beating them with the book. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying we don't use the book, but you don't have to beat them with I And I went on a campaign with some folks, and I watched them do exactly that. Beat them with the book. We put 35 people in the water in a week. Okay, in a week. You know how many were faithful today? Not one. That I know of, not one. Now, there may be some, but that I know of, not one. We beat them with the book, and I'm telling you, I watched people... I'm, I watch them beat them black and blue with the book. You can put people in the water like that. You can't. Problem is you can't make them make disciples out of them like that. It's not how you make disciples. You know. And so what we do is we do it with gentleness and respect. We do it with we do it with kindness. And you and you like we're doing with with you know when you you don't have to do it all in one day. It can take it can take months sometimes. You know. And then he said, and and then he said, look at what he says next. He said, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. What, is, what, what does he say is going to happen? What's going to happen? People are going to malign you. People are going to say things about you that aren't true. Okay? They will, they will, they will be malicious to you. Maybe not the same way in, that, in a culture he's writing to, but they will be. You know, I have had too many people come to me in tears and say, what am I going to do? My job, you know, this is what's going on. This happened here. What am I going to do? And if, you know what you do? You still do what you do anyway. And let God handle it. Because you're not strong enough to handle it. You're not, you're not smart enough, guys. That's the problem. You're not smart enough. You don't see the field from the, from the coach's box. Okay? You don't. I don't want to see the field. I'm telling you. You don't see this field sometimes from the coach's box, from, from, the, from the eldership per se. You don't see it. What's going on here? All right? You have no idea. Sometimes, you know what? You don't want to see it. You don't want to see it. The, the point here is, is, is that God's in control. God knows what he's doing, and he is going to make it right in my life. And even if I have to die for it, it's still going to be right. I'm still going to be blessed. Right? 
I don't want to leave. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if it has to be, then it has to be. And he said, he said, you do this with gentleness and respect. People are dying out there, guys. You understand that? They're dying. You're going to go to lunch today. Many of you. How many of you got plans? Y'all go go to lunch. You know, going to go to lunch somewhere. You know, uh, you know no, I'm not saying asking that. But I'm saying, you know what you're going to find there? There are going to be people in that place that are going to die and go to hell. You know that? that that's what that's. Yeah, you are. You know what? You know. You know what they did to to Gary and Marilyn Underwood and to people that went to a, to a place. Guy got up and walked over and said, "We don't want you doing that again. We don't appreciate that, and we don't want you. We don't want you. Uh, I don't know what the exact words. I asked Gary, what 'What'd you do?' He said, "We didn't do anything.'" He said, what were, what were we going to do? We'd already prayed. And he got up and said, I don't appreciate you guys doing that in front of us. That's the first time I ever heard that happen. Yeah. First time. But you know what? If it happened once, then it's happened other times. And it will happen again. Well, and it will become more frequent as time goes along. Right? Yeah, Tim. There was people behind us, me, Gary, and those who were over here, they start talking about when we started praying, they just start talking out loud about yeah. the ungodly stuff behind yeah. us all. Yeah, it happens. Okay, be be Christ-like anyway. Do it with respect and gentleness, and remember, make God, make Jesus the Lord of your life, and everything will be fine. We'll see you next week. We'll pick it up right there, and we're going to deal with that text next week. <laughs>